0: Uh, Just a few announcements as you are turning there. Please remember that this coming Wednesday, uh, typically there would be a group that would be going to National Youth Convention. Of course, uh, COVID has just totally altered the planet. Uh, this year. And so that is not happening. However, we still know that there are several families or people that are meeting with their families are going to be out of town. And so the church will be open on Wednesday for prayer, just like it would normally be uh, around Thanksgiving time. So the church will be open for prayer on Wednesday, no formal service or Bible study here, uh, but it will be open for prayer. Also next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday is the fifth Sunday of this month. So there will just be one service in the morning, uh, the fifth Sunday. And so we will be here on that Sunday morning. And so you can come and be a part of the service then. And uh, there will be no live stream. Uh, Those that are watching online, there will be no live stream next Sunday. Uh, The the Masons will not be here. So there will be no live stream next Sunday. And so uh, just keep that in mind. Those that are online, we apologize. Amen. But you can catch back up through podcasts or other means amen and order or you could go back to one of the several old ones or such uh and and nonetheless but amen just to keep mindful of that second corinthians chapter number six i want to thank brother mason and brother mason Mason and Mason, I told you it was Mason Sunday last Sunday. I want to thank Brother Mason and Brother Mason for uh, filling in in our absence last Sunday. I have not had the chance yet to listen to Alex Mason, but I did listen to his dad in order to know where I was supposed to start today. And whenever I seen that he covered three sentences in the outline, (laughs) I felt happy to know that it isn't just me. I feel very happy to know that it wasn't just me. Amen. But we want to go to the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 17. This has been our springboard for the past several months. Good to have family with us this morning. Amen. That's come along. And also today, those who may not know, is Bishop's 72nd birthday today. 72 years old. Young. 72 years young. Amen. This morning. And so we love and appreciate him, amen, and his his life and fervor and energy that he still has at 72. I oftentimes have people ask me, and just this past weekend, uh, Bishop Wilson asked me, he said, how's your dad? He always asks about my dad. He loves dad. And he says, how's your dad? I said, he's doing well. He says, how old is your dad? So I told him and him and Bishop Wilson about the same age. And uh, he says, well, he's doing all right. I said, well, both he and mom's had open heart surgery uh, in the past uh, few years. I said, but dad, he still does anything dad wants to do. I said, he still works on his own vehicles. He said, all this electrical stuff. I said, he likes the old vehicles. He's still he's, still, he's going to drive something he can work on. I said, so, I, you know, give him that. I said, but he still does whatever he wants. Wants to do and so we're glad that he's able to do what he wants to do amen and I just fan the flames and say go on and do it just go on and do it hallelujah all right to the word of the Lord now you've been standing for 10 minutes 2nd Corinthians 6 and verse 17 the Bible says wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you And so, Brother Mason has got us into the mode of this last week, really speaking about what we, separation has to two, it's a two-sided coin. It's what we're separated unto, and it's what we're separated from, and each complement the other, and one even, uh, might I say, empowers the other, what we separate unto and what we separate from. From And so we left off last week talking about the things that we are separated unto, right? Things that we are separated to uh, throughout the scripture and the word of the Lord. And what that really does for us is tease up the ball then for the things that we separate from. Because our power to pull from is in what we have drawn close then to but we have separated unto and so we're going to look at a few of those things today we'll see what type of headway we can make I thought we'd be done with all this by the end of the year I'm still hopeful amen so let's just pray today father God we love you this morning we're thankful God for your people we're thankful Lord Jesus God for their attentiveness to Lord Jesus to worship and to the word of the Lord I pray oh God that you're able to touch us afresh and anew today God by your spirit through your word I pray oh God for it is a living word it divides Lord the, the the marrow from the bone, Lord, discern of the very intense in the thoughts, Lord, of the heart. God, let that quick, Lord Jesus, powerful, Lord Jesus, two-edged sword, God, do its work in our personal lives today, and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen, and the church say amen, amen. Folks, I'll tell you how pitiful I am. Last weekend when we was at Mississippi, we went to that first night of service on Friday, and I realized that I didn't even have a Bible with me. Now I had a, a, a one that I'm reading right now, the New International Version, but I didn't have a King James Bible with me that I normally preach out of. And so on Sunday, both times, I had to borrow a Bible from the pastor just to even be able to preach. And so it's a hopeless case with this guy right here. Amen. Separated unto, Uh, we're on number nine. If you were keeping count as Brother Mason was submitting those things last week, amen, which I listened in, did a tremendous job. Number nine, another thing that we are separated unto uh, in our Christian walk and journey is that we are separated unto honesty. We are separated into honesty. Just a couple verses of scripture, and there are a lot of scripture, amen, this morning. Romans 12 and verse 17, and again, we're pulling a phrase out of here. The Bible says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. First Timothy 2 and 2 harmonizes with that same verse and says, uh, and if I might, leading into this phrase, the Bible talks about how we should, with supplication and prayer and thanksgiving, that we should give thanks for all men, kings, kings rulers and things of that nature. And it follows up then and says that we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So we separate ourselves into honesty. And the reason why this would be, uh, I think, practically important is this. It makes sense that we would be kept unto honesty whenever we have been receivers of a spirit of truth right? Because the Holy Ghost is described in the scripture as a spirit of truth. It, it would be a uh, hypocrisy. It would be a, a betrayal to have the spirit of truth and yet be dishonest. And so we are separated unto honesty. But another H word that we are separated unto is that we are separated unto humility. Humility. We are separated into humility. As a matter of fact, whenever we look at uh the archangels in scripture, you have Gabriel and you have Michael, and of course, Lucifer was at one time an archangel. When we look at that, we understand that the downfall of Lucifer uh, in the very beginning was his lack of humility. It's in Isaiah that we read of the five I wills of scripture, how Lucifer said, I will be like the most high. I will ascend into the heavens. I The five I wills of what he said he would do, trying to make himself equal to God and due really to his lack of humility. Uh, he was cast out of heaven uh, to be the prince and the power of the error. And so we want to be separated unto humility and not follow the same pattern uh, of Lucifer. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and verse number 12, it says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God. A little further down it says, humbleness of mine. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Humbleness of mind. And so this this tells me that since this is a command or since this is a statement that put on this, that this is something that is at the discretion of my will. This is something at the discretion of my choice. I have the ability to make a conscious choice or willfully put on or if you even will take off uh, the humbleness of mind. Humility. James 4 and 10 says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Right. There's other places in the scripture. The Bible talks about us taking the low seat and that we will be bidded up higher. It is the walk of humility. Jesus, even in teaching his disciples, he said, if you want to be the greatest among you guys, he said, then be the servant of all. It's kind of like the top turvy, upside down type of mentality that the Lord serves us in his kingdom. Uh, You know, in society, it's that you got to elevate yourself you got to climb the ladders. If you're going to go along the waters of life, then you got to be blowing in your own cells. But in the kingdom of God, it's totally diametric to that type of mindset. It's that, that, that the exaltation comes through making ourselves a base. It's the exaltation comes through humbling ourselves in the sight of God. Note well that if you ever see anyone that's truly lifted up in the sight of the Lord, it's probably because somewhere along the way they humbled themselves in His sight. Amen. And so we separate ourselves into humility. Because in reality, in the shadow of the cross and the shadow of who the Lord is, folks, I, I don't I don't have any platform that I need to stand on in God's sight. What is man, David said, that thou art mindful of him and the Son of Man that thou wouldest visit him? He's saying, Man, this little this little peon, this little glorified mud ball, if you will, what what is he in comparison to God? And so I you You know, I'm not straightening up my tie and pulling my buckle a little bit tighter because, you know, I'm all that and and a side of fries. No, we walk humbly before the Lord. And there's a humility that comes whenever you realize that you couldn't make it in this Christian journey without Him. And that that door of entrance would never even be made open or available to you had it not been for Him humbling Himself upon the cross, right? Because whenever and whenever we read in the book of acts that philip came along and he joined the eunuch that was in the chariot he began at the scripture where the eunuch was reading and he was reading in isaiah talking about in his humiliation in the lord's humiliation That there were some things that were taken away and there was glory that really shone from the humiliation of the Lord. He was talking about when Isaiah was writing about the death and the burial and the crucifix and the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is just horrific. And so the Lord humbled himself in order to even to make us what we are. So I'm just going to cloak myself with the humility, amen, of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are nothing. Everybody say nothing. We are nothing in and of ourselves. It's only because of the Lord. Now we can tell all day about the resurrected life. And I think we should. But we're not just been made partakers of the life of the resurrection. We've also been made partakers of the fellowship of his sufferings. And that many times underscores humility. Humility. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 5. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. He resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Now think with me here for a moment. It would be difficult, might I even say impossible, to be separated unto God when our lack of humility would cause a resistance of God toward me. Right? And so we're talking about a impossibility here to be separated unto the Lord and to be prideful or not humble because our our pride or our lack of humility cause a resistance between us and our God. And so in order to have that, that close encounter, that nearness, that separated unto the Lord, then we must walk a path of humility unto the Lord. Number 11, something we're to be separated into. Now I understand why Brother Mason had such a hard time uh, getting anywhere. Amen. Last week, I forgive him. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything before I started. Number 11, we must be separated unto temperance. Other words for temperance would be moderation. Be separated to self-restraint. In for 2 Peter 1 verses 5 and 6. The Bible talks about that we have we have this faith. The scripture says every man has been given a measure of faith. All right, we have this faith. The Bible talks about great faith. The, talk, the Bible talks about little faith, right? Talks about people, uh, you know, receiving a measure of faith. Just as a side note, something's always interesting to me is that whenever Peter walked on the waters and then the boisterous winds came and he was... Uh, taken by the boisterous winds as far as his attention, and he began to sink in the water, and he cried out, Lord, save me, and the Lord did. Notice what the Lord said. He said, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? But what's amazing to me in that story is this, is that little faith could even walk on water. And, and, and so he, he, we all have this of faith that we've been given. Peter says, now add to that faith. And one of the things that he admonishes us to add to that faith is temperance or moderation or self-restraint. Furthermore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25, he says, And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate, all right? He's moderate in all things. Now, they do this to obtain a corruptible crown, but we a incorruptible crown. He, he's speaking in terms of, uh, of the, the Greek and, and, and Olympic type games even back in those days of a man that would focus on a particular, uh, a particular section of the sport, whether it was running or whatever it may have been. He said in order for that man, if he's going to be good at running, If he's going to be good at that that particular sport there in the Olympic games, if he's going to do that, if he's going to strive for mastery as though uh, he knows it in and out and wins the right time to pick up the pace and his breathing is going to be correct, if he's going to do that, then he must be temperate in all things. In other words, he's got to show moderation and self-restraint and everything else because if he would spread himself thin, he wouldn't be able to be a master in this one thing. If he gave himself to all these other things, the same, the same type of zeal, something is going to suffer. But in order to gain mastery in this one thing, he says that he's got to restrain himself from all these other things. He's got to have temperance. He has to be moderate in all these other things. I believe David and, and, and different ones caught that vision concerning just selling out to one thing. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that did I seek after, that I might dwell in the house. He said of the Lord. He says, I he said, the, the apostle said in New Testament scripture, he said he counted himself not to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Hallelujah. He says, and I'm going to press. For the mark of the high calling of God, which is in Christ. You know what those two guys are saying? Although they are in two different testaments, they're saying if I'm going to be mastery over this one thing, then I got to somehow uh, separate myself and restrain and devoid so nothing else is vying for my attention. I got to be moderate and have self-restraint to give everything to this one thing if I seek mastery in that The Bible says in Philippians 4 and 5, it says, let your moderation or your moderation, your self-restraint be known unto all men. Another thing that we are separated unto in our, our Christian living, that has been our subject matter for now several weeks, Christian living. We are separated unto contentment. Say that where it's a it's contentment. Separated unto contentment. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 7 and 8, for we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. I'm telling you, I've stood too many times in that funeral parlor after the service has ended with the funeral director because by law we do that. And they just make sure that whatever's in the casket stays in the casket. What's supposed to come out? It's supposed to come out. You know what? I've never seen. I've never just by standing there knew nothing about their home. Or about the type of car that they drove. No. They, they, they brought nothing into the world. In essence, they're taking nothing out of the world. Timothy says, Paul says, Timothy says, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Somebody needs to look at your neighbor and tell him, we're doing pretty good. And, and I, I don't know if you have the ability, just real quick, do you have the ability to mute me just for a moment? Can you do that? Just a few weeks ago, we... My wife and I delivered some food to a family that was in need that uh, she learned of from working in the preschool and coordinated with the director there to see if it would be okay to reach out to them. Sister Adams had brought boxes of stuff for this purpose. My wife and I went into this home, had two small young boys, I don't know, ages what, four, first grade and 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 what and preschool and uh, we were taking in different things and there was hamburger and some pork chops and hot dogs and cereal and toiletry items and it ran the gamut of stuff and as we walked into there that little preschool boy we they didn't even have a table to set the groceries on we just set it down in their their kitchen floor and that little boy when he seen the hot dogs in that box he was like what what You're telling me you brought us hot dogs. Content. Oh, (laughs) God. And I'm looking at my wife saying, well, where are we going to eat today? You, You unmute me. Content, you undo the do. Contentment. We brought nothing in, nothing out. Food, so why, why, Brother McGee, a, a child of God, need you know be be content? Here's the fact of the matter, because whenever I have the Lord, He wants me to find my sufficiency in Him, my sufficiency. In him. Well, Brother McGee, you're saying we all need to live in a tent and cover up with, you know, a thin sheet blanket. No, I'm not saying none of that. You know, live to live within the means of what the Lord has provided for you. That is great. But it's whenever we get into that that cycle of things of what we have is just never enough, then we've not grown content with him. We've not grown content with the sufficiency of who he is. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and 6, he said, but godliness, look at this, but godliness with contentment. That's important. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, Paul is telling Timothy, he said this godliness and contentment thing, he said it's not a either or, it's a both and. It's not that godliness alone by itself is great gain. Or that contentment by itself alone is great gain. But it's the pairing and the marriage and the union of both godliness and contentment that brings great gain. It's both and, having both of those things in your life. Philippians 4 and 11, the apostle said, and this is just a phrase out of the verse, because if I read all of these verses in length, that's all we get done. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, That's not talking about Illinois, Indiana, or California, although that could apply sometimes. I'm telling you, here of late. Whatever state I am, therewith to be content. And so he understood that there are times that the scenarios and circumstances of life will be edging you to a place of making you as though you should feel uncontent. He says, but you gotta understand, I learned that in whatever state that I am, if I'm hungry or if I'm full, if if, if, if the money is there or not, if things are skyrocketing high or if I'm walking through a valley, therewith to be, therewith to be content. And I would dare to say today, it's not so much that, you know what, I just love this valley. I'm content with this valley. Look at the flowers here. No, 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 no. I believe that the apostle grabbed the idea that his Contentment was not then not necessarily based upon a state or a place or a condition of life. Again, he had learned his contentment was based upon whom he served. And so if he had God in the valley, he could be content. If he had God on the mountain, he could be content. If he had God whenever he had nothing else, he could be content. I've learned. I've learned that I can be content as long as I have the Lord. Amen. Hebrews thirteen five. just another one, just for good measure. Be content with such things as you have. And he follows that up with this, if you continue reading. For, he's, for he has said, speaking of the Lord, I will never lead thee nor forsake thee. The Lord is my helper. Another thing that we must separate it unto, number 13. Everybody take a deep breath now. We must be separated unto patience. Uh. (laughs) They said, what patience is a virtue? Hmm. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. (laughs) But here's the thing. Of patience. Patience, biblical patience isn't so much this passive acceptance of circumstances or what's happening around you. Biblical patience is the courageous perseverance in the face of difficulty, in the face of suffering. The Bible says in First Thessalonians five and verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren. It took an exhortation notice. Now we exhort you, brethren. Be patient toward all men. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy six eleven. But thou, O man of God. First, he had told him to flee some things. But now he says, follow after patience. James 1 and 4. This is a big one in scripture to me. It says, but let patience. Let, again, the will is involved, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect. Now we're not talking about without flaw, but we're saying let let patience have its perfect work, or let it come to full completion as much as possible in our life. And notice it says let her patience, her her perfect work. Patience is described in Scripture here as the female gender here in the Scripture. It's personified as being the female gender due to the fact then that she has the capability of reproducing she has the ability of having offspring we read of it in Romans if I may go there some of the things that uh, patience reproduces or the offspring of patience again this female gender let her have her perfect work the Bible says in Romans chapter number five and verse number three it says and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation work of patience and patience experience and experience hope. See, patience when it has its perfect work has children. Huh? It has children. It, it has experience and it has hope. And so whenever we're separating ourselves into patience, we're also separating ourselves into the offsprings and descendants of patience experience and other things of that nature another thing that we must separate ourselves unto is a pure heart we've seen this in in our Bible study already here of Christian living a pure heart when we talk about Christian living when we talk about uh, holiness speaking of 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 attitude and things of that nature we are talking about the purity of the heart and that's something that we should vie for that's something that we should desire the bible says in matthew 5 and 8 it said blessed are the pure in heart why you might ask he says for they shall see they shall see god paul told timothy but follow righteousness faith charity peace with them that call on the lord out of a Pure heart. And so many of the things that last week Brother Mason talked about, things that I've talked about this week, are qualities and characteristics and reality that we have already spoken of in this long year journey. That can be found in the fruit of the Spirit. Of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and all these different things that we've already looked at before. And so it's a grand idea. Okay, Lord, I'm going to be separated unto you. I'm going to be separated into these characteristics and these traits that are indicative of you. And all of this separating unto the Lord sets us up and empowers us in many regards then to separate from some things. Again, and I know I've hit this nail several times already but this whole concept that we could not make ourselves clean right we could not make ourselves holy he said be holy for i am holy we could not do that our initial experience with the lord is he making us holy as individuals you know what we know how to do how to get dirty i can do that buddy I can do it. Just, I mean, as young kids jumping in the mud puddle when you're already clean and everything, I can do that. But he has is, he is, he is admonished us. I, I'll make you clean. I'm just asking you to maintain the condition I've made you. And so we separate unto, but then we separate from. Separate from. And something that we must separate from, it's a biblical doctrine and concept we must separate from all sin all right we must separate from all sin and the reason why we must do this the reason why this is this is important amen that after we have been cleansed from every sin right Because the Bible speaks of Jesus, he will save you from your sins, right? was the purpose of Christ, even when the angel told Mary about this child that she should name Jesus, for he shall save you from your sins. And so now that he saved me from sin, then I am endeavoring to keep from sin. Do I always get it right? No. Have I ever made a mistake after the fact? Yes, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we should have a a consciousness about us to trying to remain separate from sin. And the reason being is, is because sin is a separator. Huh? Trying to keep separate from sin because sin is a separator. Sin will separate you from God. We've looked at this gazillion of times. But sin separated again Adam and Eve in the beginning from the garden. Right? Sin separated them. What do they do? They see that they're naked in their shame. After partaking of the tree, they should not partake of. They hide themselves among the trees. They make their own fig leaves, right? aprons out of leaves. and the, the the voice of the Lord comes down in the cool today to have communion and conversation with them as he often would but they're not bare in relationship in his presence now they're separating from why because they partook of what they shouldn't have partaken of and so sin is a separate separate them from the presence of God separated them from the garden of Eden and the Bible says this in Isaiah 59 and 1 it says behold the Lord's hand is not shortened He's telling the people, telling Israel, God's hand is not short. Perhaps some of them felt like God's hand was short. But he's just re-initiating re, in, and, and reiterating. The Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save. He reiterates, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Because sometimes uh, on this side of the fence, we're like, I just don't know if God's hearing me. I just don't know. I don't know if God knows where I'm at. And then he gives us the reason why they may have been feeling the Lord's hand was short or that his ear wasn't hearing. He says in verse two, he says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. In other words, I'm vying to be separated unto the Lord. But because of me still yet in some iniquities and sins, those sins are separating me from the very thing I need to be separated unto. It's keeping me from the things that I, I need, that I need to be involved with. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul in Romans 6 and verses 1 and 2, he says, Shall we continue in sin that may that grace may abound? Right? Because the scripture said, Where, where sin doth abound, grace much more abound. And there were some that was calculating in their minds then, well, if we want a more abundance of grace, then we go to greater depths of sin because wherever it is, then this is going to be more. Hey, man, the apostle is telling them you're thinking the wrong type of dynamic here. He says, You're not, it's not that you continue in sin so that grace may abound. He said, look what he said. God forbid, he answered his own question. He said, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? In. he continues in verse number 12 of romans six twelve. he said let let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body he says don't let it reign what's he saying he said don't let sin govern you don't let sin rule you don't let sin here's one of the meanings of the greek word rain don't let sin have the highest influence let sin have the highest influence. I'm not saying it doesn't breathe and have a whispering voice at times in our life, but he said, don't let it have the loudest voice. Don't, don't let it reign over your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. Why? Why are you telling me that, Lord? Because if you allow that to have the loudest voice and you give ear to it and you follow after it, he says, you won't be able to hear my voice. You won't be able to feel my touch. I'm there. I've not went, but sin has separated Between me and thee. And so we want to separate to the best of our ability. With the consciousness that we have. Right. Because we have certain things in God's word. That blatantly says this is sin. Or the scripture wouldn't relate to us. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is. Right. sin. He that doeth it willfully. He said there remaineth no more sacrifice for the sin. Which doesn't mean. God's blood and his power of forgiveness can't reach you. It just means this. Whenever Christ went to Calvary, it was one sacrifice once and for all. There's not going to be another sacrifice because his sacrifice was enough. So, uh, you know, so if we do it willfully, there remain if no more sacrifice. There's not going to be a new sacrifice. His sacrifice was enough. So we separate ourselves from sin. We separate ourselves from bitterness hatred. Bitterness and hatred. In many regards, bitterness and hatred are just extensions of unhealthy anger. Unhealthy anger. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all mouths. Let it be put away. Interestingly enough, the words put away Actually describe, let them rise upwards and be lifted up. Whenever I think of that, I'm like. God, here's my bitterness. Here's my malice. Here's my anger. Amen. And Paul brought something very important to our attention in his writings. And that is this. Paul described to us that bitterness is a product of unforgiveness. Whew. It's a product of unforgiveness. And so we wanna separate from bitterness because if 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 bitterness is a product of unforgiveness and I am holding unforgiveness in my heart again, I'm driving a wedge between me and the thing I wanna be close to. Because the scripture even tells us about our ability to be able to forgive others kind of sets up the platform for God's means and ways of forgiveness then in our own lives, right? Amen. And so we we, we want to be mindful concerning bitterness and hatred. We want to give those things to God. You're saying, yes, yes, Christians can be bitter. And Christians can be hateful. Amen. But we're trying, endeavoring to separate ourselves from those things. Just as much as, as number three, Christians can be gossipers. Oh Lord, why didn't you work your way through to this point? Christians can be evil speaking. The Bible says in first Peter four fifteen, but let none of you suffer. As a, and this verse goes on, as a busybody in others' men's matters. He says in James 1:26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. First Peter 3.10, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. 1 Corinthians 15.33, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners or it corrupts moral behavior. And that's a lot right there. What's the deal, Brother McGee? I'll tell you what the deal is. These types of activity of being gossiping and evil speaking. We know even in the New Testament Scripture in the churches like Corinth and Colossae and all these things, Paul in particular to the church at Corinth, he understood it's these type of things that causes divisions. He said among you, he told the church, he said these are the type of things that cause divisions among you. And you're the church. What is the church according to Corinthians as well? The church is the body of Christ. Huh? The church is the body of Christ. He says, so if you're going to, if you're going to intermingle in practices that's going to bring division to the body of who he is, he says, you need to separate from that. He says because his body needs to be unified. His body needs to be whole. His body needs to be congealed together. And so if gossip is going to be an affront to that, if gossip is going to undercut or evil speaking is going to undercut all that, he says, then you need to refrain from that. Amen. You, you will see love of life and you'll see good days if you just keep your mouth shut, right? Keep your mouth shut. And so we need to separate from offenses. Mm -hmm. We need to separate from offenses. What are we talking about? We need to separate from things that cause other people to stumble. Amen. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. He's painting with a wide brush there about all these different sections of people, Jews, Gentiles, the church of God. He said, Give offense to none. He says in Romans 14, 13, let no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, folks, I'm not so ignorant to believe that all these things that are admonished in Scripture that we've not failed in at some place along the journey and that we won't fail in in the future. But this is a thing that from time to time the Bible even talks about how we need to evaluate and bring some evaluation where we stand in the faith. And so every once in a while we just got to stand still and speak to ourselves: Do I got any bitterness in my life? Do I got any anger that's unresolved? Do I got any hatred that's flaring up? Is my mouth been too loose? Have I been gossiping? Have, have I spoken evil rather than spoken good of a neighbor? Have I caused somebody else to stumble by my means of life? And whenever you see it, the thing is, is not to ignore it, but to embrace it and take it to God in prayer. Take it to God, our advocate, our father, and he can make all things new. Right? He can. You know, whenever, Mike, whenever there, you know, you've done it before, you've been out there cutting wood, and sometimes it's hard to get down in there. And what you do is you put a wedge where the crack is. Huh? And you hammer the wedge. Because it's thin as it starts, but as it gets further back, it's thicker. And the more you hammer the wedge, the more separation. Huh? The more separation it will produce, the deeper it's driven. Folks, we got to take inventory when just the point of the wedge is in the crevice. Because if we don't, the further that it drives, the greater separation that will occur. We got to be mindful of these things because there's not a soul that's sitting among us today that are ever without total fault in any of these areas. Amen. We got to... Separate from the appearance, the, the appearance of evil. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians verse, chapter 5, verse 21, it says, prove all things. I think of David whenever I read that, when he was going to prove. He said he wasn't going to take Saul's armor because he hadn't proved them. It says, prove all things and hope that's that which is good. And it follows it up by saying, abstain or refrain from all appearances other words, it could be substituted for that. Appearances, figures of evil, shapes of evil, forms of evil, views of evil, all right, of bad or bad, bad nature or bad condition. He says, abstain from all of those things. Because sometimes we need extra safeguards in our life. Amen. Sometimes we need extra safeguards in our life. Brother Mason, tell me if it's not so, but those good old Jewish people. And they have those little scrolls that they have and they're placed on their door post with the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord on them. They have them on their doorposts, but the Bible says also that they're to be on their gate. Now, what is the whole idea of having the same thing on the gate that you had on your doorpost? I say simply this, sometimes you just need another level of protection. says we're gonna put the reminder on our doorpost, but even before we get to the door of our house, we're gonna have the reminder at the gate to our property. Woo! Because sometimes you just need an extra level. Amen, sometimes, amen, it just might even have the appearance of evil, and you're just putting what? You're just putting that little box, that reminder at the gate. Amen, hallelujah, just for an extra level of protection. I doing okay? Don't worry. We're not red yet. For all those who know, that just means my timer hasn't went red to tell me to stop. <laughs> One of these days, someone's going to get very technologically advanced. Just as people get garage door openers and televisions on the same RF thing to be able to change it. And they're going to tweak with the time someday from. I hear that menacing laugh from somebody. I don't know who it is, but uh, we got to separate from fleshly lust. Whew. Got to separate from fleshly lust. First Peter 2 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers. And pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. In other words, this old world is not your home. I'm addressing you as strangers and pilgrims. He says, abstain from fleshly lusts. Look now, he says, which war against the soul. Fleshly lusts are warring against the souls of mankind. We got to separate from that, right? We cannot be taken by our eyes or by our minds to that. For men, in particular, in Matthew 5 and verse 28, the Bible says, "Jesus said, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Amen. We got to separate from drunkenness. According to the scripture, drunkenness is designated as intoxication A state where the control of the senses is lost. This refers to any type of substance abuse that causes loss of control and judgment. Romans 13, 13 says, let us walk honestly and goes on to say not in rioting and drunkenness. Ephesians 5 and verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The apostle was making a contrast between those that are intoxicated with wine, or might we go a little deeper, that are controlled by the substance that they have ingested. He says, on the contrary, he says, be controlled by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what the word filled there actually means, be controlled by the Spirit. Amen. uh, Because someone that is slapped drunk are controlled by that which they have ingested. Paul says, be controlled by the spirit. And if you're going to be controlled by the spirit, it's because you've ingested that. Into your life. First Corinthians 511. But now I have written unto you to not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a further in the sentence drunkard, which such a one. know such a one. know not to eat such a one not to eat that doesn't sound right maybe they got it yeah such a one no not to eat oh you got to love the king james version sometimes (laughs) amen i'm going to go and ask you to stand this morning because another little section we'll get into is some of the lengthy list of new testament scripture where the bible talks about other things that we should separate from uh, Long lists: adultery, witchcraft, lasciviousness, adultery, fornication, and the list goes on and on. Variance, blah blah blah. And what I found is oftentimes we read those, and those are great things to read. Man, you you get to preaching and talking about stay away from variance and lasciviousness and all those things rolling off your tongues. So people are like yeah, and a lot of times people have the slightest idea what any of those words mean. Okay, and so next week we'll. Run through these passages that have these lists of a lot of these words that everybody's "Ah," about, but we're going to give definition to what they mean. All right, definition to what they mean. Amen. And so this morning we'll we'll continue with that yet again Christian living, separating unto and separating from. Amen. Today, if we embower our heads all across this place this morning.